Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Today's episode offers you anecdotal in-law advice and venting. Today's episode is a little personal, a little emotional, I share a little bit more in detail about what I've been experiencing in my private life with my in-laws, and I'm going to let you see a little bit of my vulnerability and how I'm impacted by the topics of sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. So here's your warning. Today's episode will be dramatic, emotional, contain more vulgarity than usual, and we'll be talking about my personal life and Donald Trump and sex. So if you have sensitive ears, I highly recommend you do not listen to the remainder of this episode. If you're interested in learning something, if you're interested in understanding Donald Trump differently, sex trafficking differently, or maybe even just seeing me in a different light, continue listening and please let me know your thoughts on the podcast. Enjoy the episode. Giseline Maxwell was arrested and on Tuesday, the press asked Donald Trump what he thought about it, what he, they asked him, what do you think she's going to say? You know, what do you have to say about this? And I know a lot of you that listen to me probably believe that I support Trump or that I'm politically right or that I defend Trump. And I have to say, there have been times where I have aimed to defend not Trump, not the Trumpism, not the Trump ideology, but to defend the people that support Trump. I have, I have gone out of my way to do that because I don't want to look at people and put them in a box and say, just because Trump, you're a horrible person. I don't think people are inherently evil. And I don't even think voting for a particular person necessarily makes you evil unless we're going to be honest and say that all voting could make you evil because all voting perpetuates evil. We elect people to perpetuate evil, to perpetuate injustice. And so for me, If you want to call me a realistic anarchist, I know deep in my heart, mixing the world with the kingdom just doesn't benefit us. So anyway, so in the past, I might have been more defensive of those who, you know, defend Trump. Today, I can't do that anymore. Today, I can't look at people that defend Donald Trump and think that they're being intellectually honest. And this recording from the press conference in which Donald Trump responds is the reason why. So I'm going to play it for you, and maybe you'll understand why I'm a little aggrieved by this. Maxwell is in prison, and so a lot of people want to know if she's going to turn in powerful people. And I know you've talked in the past about Prince Andrew, and uh, you've criticized Bill Clinton's behavior. I'm wondering, uh, do you feel that she's going to turn in powerful men? How do you see that working out? I don't know. I haven't really been following it too much. I just wish her well, frankly. Uh, I've met her numerous times over the years, especially since I lived in Palm Beach, and I guess they lived in Palm Beach. Uh, But I wish her well, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know the situation with Prince Andrew. Just don't know. Not aware of it. So Donald Trump said this on Tuesday, July 21st, during a press conference. And 
So before I started recording this, I was kind of venting about it to my husband. And I told him, like, I don't, I don't understand. I, do, I don't understand how people can willingly still defend Trump even after this. And I know I'm falling into that category of like, well, now finally there's a reason for me to justify why I look at other people who support Trump and I can condescend them. And that's not what I'm after. It doesn't mean that I'm going to start like berating people who vote for Trump, but I am going to be cautious and I am going to step back and I'm going to ask myself, what in this person's head What information have they been given? What kind of experiences in life have they been through in which they can still, at this day, at this present time, say, yeah, he said this, but I'm still going to vote for him because blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to know that. So if you're offended or you feel like you need to defend your stance, I really want to hear it. I really do. Like, I want to hear how you justify this. And so my husband kind of was like, but do you want people to vote for Biden? Do we want Biden to be president? And number one, I just want to point out, Biden and Trump are not your only options right now. There is a libertarian candidate, and surprise, surprise, it's a woman. And her name is Joe Jorgensen. And so I just want to throw that out there. If you are a voting people... You can do like what I did in 2016. I joined the Libertarian Party and I voted Libertarian and I voted for Gary Johnson. And no, he didn't win. But I, ju- I just want to put that out there. Sometimes I just I, I can't stand how people think there's only Republican or Democrat. There's Libertarian. And, and she's a good candidate. And if I was going to vote, I would vote for her. So I, I just want to throw that in there just as a reminder that there's not just two candidates and we don't have to choose from dementia A or dementia B, okay? I just want to put that out there. Joe Jorgensen is a psychologist, so she's a doctor, right? She's she's intellectually educated and, and she knows how to speak really, really well. And I would like that. I don't want either of the other options because I can't stand listening to them talk. But anyway... And so, do I want Biden to be president? Do I want Trump to be president? Do I want anyone to be president? Well, and I said, well, that takes me back to the whole idea that voting itself is an evil act and that we shouldn't participate at all with voting. Because essentially, when we vote for somebody, we're giving somebody else power to not only hold over us, but to hold over everybody and to make decisions for everybody in a utilitarian effort to make sure that what we're equal and that everything is fairsy squaresy, but that's not actually how it works out because we know this. We've seen this play out. It's the rich and the powerful. It's the highly connected. It's the highly educated. Those are the ones that are protected and defended and whose rights and liberties are still valuable and worthy of protecting by the U.S. government. But when it comes to us, the little peons, you know, just little people that vote to put these people in power, we're not offered the same protections. We're not offered the same liberties. We're not offered the same freedoms. And I don't want to get into a pissing match about politics and voting, really. That's it's not really my issue today. I will always encourage people to reconsider voting because I think it's just it's just a perpetuation of power and power dynamics. And even if you think that somehow women are going to get power or somehow minorities are going to get power or somehow the oppressed are finally going to get power. Sure, a different kind of power, like a love power. And you can get that. And that's when you try and actualize the kingdom here on earth. 
And that means that we let go of power. We don't want power. Jesus didn't want power. The devil offered Jesus all of the power of the world, the power that he reigned over, or it reigned over, or this evil reigns over. And do I want that? And I said this in a previous podcast, too. It's like, there's this fight, like, I want equal power. I don't want any power. I don't want any power at all. So beyond that, going back to Trump, I don't even like talking about sex trafficking because it is it's it's something that takes place within the world that we can't ignore but it's not pretty to talk about you don't want to think about those things because you don't want to conjure those images in your head like for me I I can't fathom how anyone even finds sexual attraction to an underdeveloped child a child who isn't cognitively developed a child who is just coming out of this understanding that, oh, I'm self-aware and I'm not the center of the universe. And for someone to be able to exploit and manipulate and harm such a fragile, youthful, innocent mind like that, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to wrap your head around. I extend a lot of respect towards, you know, the psychologists and the psychiatrists that work with depraved people like this because it's like, how do you objectively do your job and observe and try and understand and analyze a person whose psyche has at some point told them that this behavior was acceptable. Like what kind of a person, what kind of an experience does a person have in that they can somehow rationalize that this is love or acceptable? But the truth is they don't really believe that because if they did find it acceptable, it wouldn't be a dark secret. We wouldn't have to hear about things like the Lolita Express and we wouldn't have to hear about these hidden flight logs that, you know, show how many political people and how many uh, elite connected people, royalty, are, are involved in this kind of scandal, you know. So obviously people have gone through great lengths to make sure that this remains hidden and a part of a secret society, if you will, and, you know, cover all the tracks. I mean, just recently we learned that a federal judge, Esther Salas, who was just assigned to the Epstein case four days ago, four or five days, or four days before her son was killed. So what happened was someone in the FedEx truck showed up with a alleging they had a delivery. The son opened the door and the driver, the gunman shot this son and then fired multiple times at the husband and then fled the scene and took off in the FedEx truck. And I think I just heard reports that that shooter was found dead with self-inflicted gunshot wounds. And I think it was that we found out that that person was actually an attorney. So I don't know. There's just there's so much stuff going on. And if you want to call it conspiracy, go ahead. But I mean, it's not conspiracy. It's coincidence. And when we start denying coincidences, we start denying reality. Because if these coincidences keep playing out, Epstein didn't kill himself. And now we have federal judges who are being attacked after being assigned to Epstein cases. And we have Maxwell saying that she's going to plead not guilty and that she's going to work with the FBI. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on, right? There's so much stuff. And how do we talk about this? And how do we register it? And what are we doing to stop it? Because the majority of us, we're not trying to stop it, right? Can't I have the expectation that the president of this country, a country in which 800,000 children go missing every year, according to the statistics that I recently found today. And so I recently saw something say that allegedly 800,000 children go missing every year and are potentially kidnapped or exploited. I wasn't sure about that number, so I did do some digging. 
And all I could find was a 2015 missing person activity for minors in which 634,000 records were entered. But then it says about 579,000 were canceled and clear. It then says 54,900 were located, which says that the transactions to remove entries when the subject has been found by an agency other than the entering agency. So I just want to point that out and kind of expand a little bit on something that I've seen, a number I've seen circulating. I'm not saying that that it's okay that only, you know, potentially 300,000 children are being kidnapped and exploited. I mean, all of those numbers are too high, but as a corrective means to provide you with the best information, that is what I have found as reported from the FBI. That does not take away from the topic at hand, I just want to add. So back to what I was saying before, don't we want a president to stand up and want to try and stop that? I mean, don't we want a president to speak out against that and not wish a co-conspirator of sex trafficking well? That's what boggles my mind. I can't get over it. How do you wish somebody like that well, right? If nothing more, if you want me to believe this pseudo-Christianity cloak that you cling to, Donald J. Trump, then say, I hope God will have mercy on her soul. Okay, I hope she can be granted grace and forgiveness by a higher power. You know, I hope the justice system can do something about this. And I mean, when you wish somebody well in an instance like that, it makes me think things. It makes me wonder, are you wishing her well? And are you speaking nicely of her because you're afraid of what she might say about you and your involvement? Or... Are you really that naive and maybe just blatantly ignorant to the fact that this shit was going on? Because I don't believe that. I know you watch the media, President Trump. And and I'm saying this to the supporters, too. I know you're watching what's going on in the silence or the I would just it's not silence because I've seen people speak about it, but the lack of discussions and conversations surrounding this entire case is baffling. I haven't seen any famous people come out on their Twitter and condemn her or or talk about sex trafficking at all, you know? And and, and where are our elected politicians stepping up and, and introducing bills to prevent this kind of shit from happening again? It's like what's going on here? The truth is sex trafficking is a very lucrative business, right? And and appeasing the weird kinks and, and pedophilia desires of these depraved people is 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 a is a multi billion dollar industry that nobody wants to end. And so when Trump says something like that, I can't help but start thinking. And it might take me towards conspiratorial ideas, but I expected more, right? I expected more. But let's go back to the Chris Wallace interview that he just did over Sunday, right? Like he was blatantly called out on facts and still denied them while they're in front of his face. I mean, so I don't know. I'm just seeing this deterioration of Donald Trump. I can't find it in my heart to find a way to make sense of the things that he says anymore. And so that is the question that I have for those who support Trump. How do you find it in your heart? And and what reason are you clinging to where this makes sense? Where much of his behavior and actions over the last couple of weeks, how, how do you reconcile that? How do you make that make sense? Because that's what I'd like to know.
And and then here's another question I have. It's is this Maxwell and Epstein case? Are we making this political? Are we making this partisan? Because I really hope we're not. I really hope this is something we can all unite on and condemn. Since everybody is all about calling shit out, since everybody's about labeling that which is evil as evil, why can't we unite on this and be in full agreement that sex trafficking, that sexual molestation, that grooming children, that kidnapping children, that exploiting children, that that using children for any kind of sexual gratification is just foul, evil, depraved. And, and, and we can agree on that. Like, we don't need to make this political. We don't have to have an opposing view on this. I would love to see us all unite on this idea that sex trafficking is just an evil we need to squash out, along with racism, okay? But here's the thing I want to point out. For me, I kind of think that we need to amplify this issue. We need to demand that all of those people that we idolize and worship and fawn over and follow and retweet and share and blah, 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 we want to hear from them. We want them to stand up and condemn this. We want them to stand up and call this shit out. I want Trump to say, I don't want him to say this, but I expected him to say, I hope she gets the death penalty. Or something to that effect. That's what I really had expected him to say. I never expected him to be like, I wish her well. And you know, I know her. I've met her. Because apparently they lived in Palm Beach, you know? Like, I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear the nice guy act. I don't want to hear the whole, I I really don't want to say anything bad about this because I don't know anything about it. I want you, as a father of daughters, and as a grandfather, and as a man that claims to have integrity for himself. I don't know if he's actually made that claim. I'm just assuming. I want a person like that to stand up and to call this evil by its name. Remember when everybody wanted Barack Obama to call terrorism terrorism? I want Donald J. Trump to call sex trafficking evil. I want Donald Trump to eradicate sex trafficking the same way he claimed he was going to eradicate coronavirus. I want that from him. That's what I expected. And I know I constantly am saying expectations in relationships are foul and are damaging and end up leading to disconnection. But in this event, I think everybody ethically and morally can be united on this one notion that this is evil, right? And that's what I expect. And I don't want to have expectations. And I'm repeating myself, but that's what I expect. I expect the leader of the fucking free world to stand up and say we're not actually free until we also end sex slavery, which is what it is. But it seems like there is this capitalistic venture to even look at sex work and prop it up as something that we should be proud of and it should be respected. And I don't know if that's what's happening with the sex trafficking thing. I don't know if people are putting on an objective rationale where I don't I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because it just makes me upset because my fear is what arouses this anger and that fear is that something like this could happen to me or my children. And when you are conflicted in such a way, it convicts you in such a way that you are making sure that you are doing everything that you can within your means to put something 
positive back into the universe that takes care of this deficit, this sex slavery and sex trafficking brings about into the world. And so Donald Trump has far more means and access and reach than I do. My work aims to show you a healthy attitude of eroticism and sex, but he's the goddamn president of the United States, and he has far more fucking power than I do, and he has far more fucking influence, and I expect he and everybody who have the means to try and figure out a very creative way to effectively do all that is possible. I know we can't eradicate evil 100%, but we can do something. We can do more. And I feel like that's also scary because do we take away privation? Do we just record everybody to ensure that nobody's being raped or molested or kidnapped or trafficked? I don't know. I don't know what that means, but I know that if I can see technological progress and if I can see biological progress and if if I'm to believe that we can continue creating new great ideas, then there has to be a great idea to figure out a way to thwart this, Okay. Okay, and so now I want to move away from this topic because it's a lot. And I just wanted to share one more little observation that I've noticed from Trump. And it's kind of funny, actually, because it made me see my father-in-law in in a different way, which was really unexpected. But I don't know if you noticed this, and I might be tossing out some generalizations here. So these are purely anecdotal. This is just about the way that I see the world and the way that I've experienced the world and the way that I've interacted with others in the world. And so with that caveat being shared with you, in so many aspects, especially within some of these aging um, political officials and political candidates, they are clinging to this idea of relevance. And I noticed this about my father-in-law too. And the reason that I was really able to be confronted with it in, in such a weird way to juxtapose it was, okay, so I had court last week. And the reason I had court was because my brother-in-law and my father-in-law cherry-picked some text messages and took some screenshots of some things and created a very delightful, entertaining drama and presented it to some official capacity with the aid of an attorney wife and claimed that I was harassing people, harassing them, and that I was a threat to their personal safety. And they presupposed all these fantastic possible dramas that could play out in which like I would, I don't know, end up maliciously killing them or something. It was it was a great read. One day I'll have to sit down and just read you their statements. It's phenomenal. So I appealed it, obviously. I have no problems with not having any interactions with my in-laws. Trust me, it's something I have been begging for for, for, for years and years on end. Um, so if all I had to do was just make up some stupid stories and pretend to be scared of some people that I'm not really scared of, I guess I could have gotten like some kind of a no-contact order with them too. And God, it would have saved a lot of stress and arguments over the years. However, I'm not a liar. And I don't want to waste a court system's time, which is what this ultimately has ended up being. So 
I'm appealing because you're defaming my name. You're alleging I'm harassing. Uh, they threw in something about terroristic threats or that I act like a terrorist. Or Because one time I called them some names. One time I asked them not to spray pesticides where I let my cattle graze in the pasture. And one time I said, you know, I've had enough of your dogs attacking my children, my chickens, and my cats. Don't bring your dogs out here anymore. So honestly, that's what it was. And it was just too much for the control freaks. So appealing and, you know, I don't want to defend myself. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, that didn't happen. I just was like, you know what? All of these reactions that were carefully pulled out of context that you see here before you is really me reacting from a mother's instinct because, well, one one incident of where I was super mean was following the fact that my father-in-law did a hit and run on my dog on our property and didn't tell anybody about it until 10 minutes later. And he knew he had fucked up big time and he ended up having to pay the hospital bill for it. And then just other pieces of text messages from years and years ago and other clips of emails from years and years ago, all to build up this whole idea that I'm just this horrible, threatening person. Now, I don't lie about my past. I've had anger issues. I have had domestic violence issues where I was the perpetrator. And I'm not trying to, by any means, condone the behavior of my past. I'm asking for grace for it, however. And I think as much as those folks tout themselves as good Christians and good contributing members of society and uh, civil servants that, you know, follow status quo and do everything right and acceptable and appropriate— But one would think that grace and forgiveness was something that one would want to extend and, I don't know, validating that whole Christian label that they attach to themselves, neither here nor there. The point is, is I've evolved. I've changed. I've I've gone through a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of work. I've even invited those family members to therapy. I've invited those members to mediations. I have tried very hard to at least be civil with these people to no avail. One of them always needs drama in the life, and so this is where it stems from. We've now involved the legal system, the court system, the judicial system. We've wasted all of these taxpayers' time. I don't want to defend myself, but as he was giving his statement, reiteration of the statement that he had submitted, I couldn't help but see that, well, A, he was clinging to control. Most of this is just about control. Both he and my brother-in-law take great issue with my work with my podcast, with my blog, with the topics I talk about, with the photos that I post on my social media. And, you know, my husband doesn't control that and doesn't shut it down because it's embarrassing and it's inappropriate and who lets their wife behave like that, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like like I need someone's permission to behave anyway. What I noticed was this man is aging. And I see this a lot, like I said, with, with, with politicians. You see it too. They need to be relevant right? Because if they're not relevant, what is their reality? Because they are the most relevant portion of their reality. They are the center of the universe. They're the only people that matter. And maybe you know people like this where it's demonstrated over and over and over that they just have no consideration for anybody else. Everything is about, do you know what it's like to walk in my shoes? You have no idea what it's like to walk in my shoes. And so now, I'm going to spend the rest of my life letting you know how fucking hard it is to walk in my shoes. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to say some really wild and crazy shit. I'm going to be controversial and provocative and contrarian just because it's dramatic and makes me feel relevant again 
Does that sound like Donald Trump? It sounds like my father-in-law too. Does that sound like someone you know? And so what I tried to do was I tried to step back and go, okay, clinging to relevance. What's the fear backing this clinging to control? Let's consider relevance for a minute. The only thing that is relevant in my reality is that which I invite into it, right? I, in my own mind, arrange or organize or prioritize the things that are relevant, even the people that are relevant. And I do that by giving them time and attention or giving things time and attention. What happens to a person when they feel like they're not being given time and attention? They need to do something to be relevant, relevant enough that it impacts or penetrates my reality. In such a case, take Donald Trump, for instance, or my father-in-law, if you'd like to. I think people say such extraordinary, outrageous things and make such extraordinary and, and facetious, fallacious claims because they want to remain relevant in the reality of the other person that might be just irritating them. So Donald Trump has to continue to say things to keep his relevance relevant right? So he has to keep saying crazier and crazier things. It might be that he doesn't even believe 90% of the shit that he says. But if he wants to maintain his own status quo of his own ego and the praise and the attention and the spotlights and the retweets and the following, he has to stay relevant. And we do provocative things when we want to be relevant. We make up things when we want to remain relevant. I think as people get older too, they feel less and less relevant. In the case of my father-in-law, for instance, I don't know what the situation is with his other children and other grandchildren, but I know that for about four years, he has not been a relevant factor in my life or my husband's life or my children's life. And when we were at the court hearing, the first 10 minutes of his testimony and statement was spent whining over the fact that he doesn't see his grandchildren. And automatically we can see a concern here. He's not relevant in people's lives that he believes he should be relevant in. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit later. And that's about this obligation to family relationship and relevance. But right there, I just want to point that out. He is already upset because he is not relevant in the reality of my children. FYI, if you want to see somebody putting a restraining order against their mother or somebody they love probably isn't the best way to do it. That just made it more difficult for you. But the fact was, is he hadn't been relevant. If Trump goes not four years, but maybe four minutes without feeling relevant, he might feel inclined to do something dramatic to garner attention for himself. Same with my father-in-law. Four years had passed. The only interactions that I ever participated with were ones where I was asking him or begging him and crying and pleading with him to not do something that he had already agreed to not do, such as spray pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, whatever it may be, such as burning without letting people know he's going to burn so we can manage the burn pile. Little things that require accountability and responsibility as an adult to supervise and to ensure isn't done to an extreme, such as the case of pesticides and herbicides. Anyway, the only interaction that we had had between each other in which he was relevant in my present moment was when, you know, there was an issue, right? And a lot of people are problem solvers. I think that can be said about Donald Trump too. And I will say that about my father-in-law. Everything that takes place 
is a problem. And there are certain individuals who believe they are fixers. And if I see everything is a problem, I therefore must provide a solution for every problem I see, or at least, at the very least, point out that it is in fact a problem, even if it's not really a problem at all. So if I see problems, I can fix them, thereby making myself relevant again. In this instance with my father-in-law, he believed to maintain his relevance, although I would say is a very vindictive and spiteful way to ensure your relevance, he filed a restraining order against me for two years to keep me at least 100 feet away from him. So for the next two years, he will be relevant in my mind and in my practices and in my daily habits and chores like, you know, taking care of my chickens and, and my cattle, playing outside with my kids, that of which I can't do if they are present because I can't properly like an adult supervise in the event that something bad happens to my kids and say I have to rush to them, but they're within 100 feet of my in-laws, but I am not. I could violate a restraining order, say if my kid falls off a bike and she's 50 feet from my father-in-law and I have to go help her. That's how ridiculous of the requirement of relevance my father-in-law had made sure to assure for himself. Trump says outlandish, bombastic, stupid, idiotic things so that he is forever relevant in your psyche. Because he outrages you, because he pisses you off, because he talks about trendy topics, because he uses the rhetoric that we hear every day. And so every time certain words are used, it activates a reaction from us and thereby giving Trump more relevance. I think this is a narcissistic tool. And I think that we need to be aware of these things. And so I watch these things. There's nothing I can do to change either Trump or my father-in-law. There's nothing we can do about people like this who cling to relevance, and they cling to that relevance by maintaining control. In the instance of my father-in-law, the restraining order granted him control, which meant now he can violate all of the agreements we have made about burning and, and not spraying pesticides and herbicides in our cattle's pasture to ensure that the beef that we're raising that we're going to consume and, and give to other family members is safe and, and pesticide and herbicide free. He doesn't care about that. He's maintaining control now. And I cannot confront him about these things whereby he can go and take control back because I will violate a restraining order. So relevancy, control, the two are tied hand in hand. And there are many people that perpetuate such practices because they fear they will become irrelevant. And if I am no longer a relevant participant in your reality, what does that say of me? And, you know, also in a lot of instances, and I noticed that, and, and, and I remember things like that, even just from experiences with my, with different grandfathers and with uncles and with other men in my life, this assumption that because I have a penis, I am a man and therefore I get all of the control because I'm the patriarch. I've seen that. I've experienced that. My father-in-law is a representative model of such a mindset. And it's like nobody can question that which the patriarch says, no matter how ludicrous or ridiculous it is, because I said it, right? And so we can play informal fallacy left and right all day, but that doesn't actually create any kind of a reasonable explanation for 
why anybody should be followed, but so many people fall for it. I mean, I have. I did that with my grandfather. Like, just because he said so, you don't you don't push back against that, you know? And in and, and such as a way in so many different religious views and faith views and church views and biblical views, it's like, God said it, so there it is. Don't question it. You know, we've, we've heard of different pockets of religion and churchianity that demands the same, like, just because it was said, therefore that is enough. We don't need to understand it. Don't ask questions about it. Just do as you're instructed. And I think that's that aging generation that is losing its relevance, losing its control. I know a lot of people roast the boomers and everything, but I really think this is just a fear that we should be aware of. It's not something that we should condemn these people for. Anybody that we see that kind of engages in this kind of behavior. I'm just saying we should try and understand it, right? These people have a fear, a fear of losing control, a fear of no longer being relevant. So when you look at Trump's tweets going forward, maybe you could use that as kind of a lens. Like, why is he saying something so fucking outlandish like this? Why is he refusing to acknowledge that Chris Wallace was actually stepping to him with real facts and data and and why couldn't he just like concede or say you know what I might have been misinformed the truth of the matter is is it doesn't matter with people who think like this they don't care they need to be relevant and if that even meets negative attention they're willing to take it such is the case again I go back to my father-in-law this is negative ass attention trying this hard to remain relevant in a person's reality by by dragging in the court systems after you lied about all of these alleged fears of safety that you have just to be relevant like just to cling to that control even if it's negative he doesn't care you know Trump doesn't care it doesn't matter how this affects other people who are listening to this or maybe even how this affects other people that your demand for relevance might have impacted you know ergo did my father-in-law think for a minute like how this would make my children feel or my husband like you literally tried to have me evicted out of my house but we're like the kids and, and my son can stay um what like which children are gonna look at you and go wow you're an exceptional grandfather you got my own mother evicted from me thank you you saved me like do you think you're a savior right now and like when was my husband gonna go you know dad I've been trying to separate myself from her for 15 years thank you had I known all we had to do was make up lies to get a restraining order I would have asked you to do this much longer so we could have had that ultimate authentic connection and relationship that I knew that you wanted like give me a fucking break right and and let's go with Trump, right? Like, thank you for saying such crazy things because what? We're too incompetent to understand that there's a possibility that you might have had incorrect information. Like, do you think you're no longer relevant if you admit that you're wrong? It's like rightness and relevance and control all go hand in hand and they're all bouncing around on the frequency of fear and uncertainty and, a, and, a, and an unknowing. And we are just not a comfortable society with unknowing and uncertainty, are we? We need to know everything. What are we doing next week? What is my plan for tomorrow? What is my outline of things that I have to do? How can I show that I'm productive and relevant to the reality of all of the participating relationships that I operate in on a daily basis, right? And that, at the end of the day, validates us as a human being. We were productive. We remained relevant, whether it was positive or negative. We maintain control. And voila, I'm going to tell you what. My assumption here is that even if you get all of that lined up for you, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to find joy. You're not going to feel at peace because none of that, none of that, 
None of the control, none of the clinging to relevance, none of that has anything to do with kingdom practices. None of that has anything to do with spreading the gospel news. And none of that looks like love. God is uncontrolling. God unconditionally loves. God always extends grace, mercy, and forgiveness. That's my view. And if that's my lens, that means that even despite the way that I feel about Donald Trump or my father-in-law or anybody else that exhibits those personality traits or behaviors and practices, that even they are worthy of that same unconditional, uncontrollably loving, redemptive, forgiving mercy and grace. And my cop out here is that I'm not God, so I can't extend it to him. Although I know it's something I should try to do. But... To end this off, and I know I said I wanted to talk about something earlier about family and obligation, and I really think I want to dedicate an entire podcast to that because it's just kind of something I've, so I'll give you a little quick briefing. Just this understanding that all relationships are, are based on the foundation of choice, and if that is the case, I see a lot of understanding in that verse that, that, that fathers will hate sons and mothers will hate daughters and there will be division amongst the home when you follow me. More so, I think that's when you start to become conscious to everything, to the universe, to the true self within. You're going to have a change of heart. You're going to have a change of mind. And that's going to separate you from the original relationships that were at the foundation of the development of who you are. And maybe that's just me trying to analyze and understand and make sense of what's going on in my own life too, in that I've moved away from the obligatory relationships and that I'm going more towards the relationships of choice and and being intentional about putting energy and effort into those relationships. It, it just gives a lot of credence to this whole understanding. And so I think that is deserving of an entire podcast in which relationships are about choice. It's okay to move away from those obligatory relationships. And maybe that's what the ultimate problem here is that I might be just kind of coming to a conclusion of in regard to what's going on with like my own family and like with in-laws and like legal systems and everything. It's like that's their last ditch effort to try and cling to their relevance. But maybe there's some kind of underlying unconscious understanding that while they're clinging to this ideal that, you know, your family is forever, maybe they know that that's not really how it works. I don't know, maybe they're familiar with the passage and they've read it and interpreted it in such a way and it scares them. And so, I don't know, fight back, do everything you can to remain relevant and to hold that family unit together, right? Because like I said, this deserves another podcast because we are taught so many things about our family. And I'm not saying break down the family or shatter the nuclear family or traditional family. I'm just saying that obligation relation is not healthy. And so table that, I'm going to bring that back to another podcast, try and invite somebody on who can help me talk about that. But for here on out, you know, whatever your view is of your politic, number one, I'm going to highly encourage you to try and drop that and and pick up an erotic view of some sort that's healthy. Secondly, we don't wish co-conspirators of decade-long sex trafficking well, okay? And if you were still going to defend Trump, I, I want to hear how you reconcile that, okay? I, I don't want to put people in pockets and boxes. I don't want to label people. 
I don't want to have a takeaway with that. Anyone who even tries to find a way to justify this must be inherently wrong. Okay, that's not what we're after here. We're after understanding. Share with me. How do you understand this? How can you reconcile this? And if you are one of those people that thinks relevance is important, again, by way of defending Trump, I want to hear about that too. And if you can relate to anything here that I've talked about, I really appreciate your feedback. I love all the messages and emails and comments that I get. I really like knowing how much the show is impacting you and helping you. I like hearing that it's entertaining. I know you all love when my husband joins the show and we have a lot of stuff coming up that we want to kind of break apart and tackle. And surprise, surprise, I've changed my mind on some things again. Just to wrap this up, I want to say I appreciate my listeners. And if you would be interested in joining me for a conversation, please let me know. Take care.